Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. Jay is here. McLean's joining us. I am Mike. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the world of professional golf and the PGA Tour recently. And we actually have someone that knows what they're talking about, unlike the three of us. So we <laughs> want to welcome Mr. Mark Brazel. The it's no longer tournament director, right? Is it now CEO of the Wyndham Championship? Uh, executive director. We go by the executive, executive director, director of the Wyndham Championship at Sedgefield Country Club. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks, Mike. Good to see you again. Well, welcome. Uh, thanks for joining us. As always, um, we're, we'll start slow. We won't we won't mention uh, the the Studio Fifty Four Golf yet. We'll we'll get there in a second. Um, but how do you how do you become how do you get to the role that you're in now? That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> well, I'll tell you one way. I'll tell you the way I did. And that was um, uh, I got lucky enough to get a job because of a friend of mine with the American Junior Golf Association, the AJGA, down in near Atlanta. And um, so they had this position that opened up the, uh, the female staff member that had the position, went to work as one of the um, – on tour of the LPGA with Titus and foot joint and Kenny, she's still there. And so she left that job and I actually kind of uh, went and um, interviewed for it. And I kind of knew a lot of the folks at the AJJ. So I got that job and it was the crappiest job in all of golf. <laughs> so I know that's, that's saying something because there's some bad ones. <laughs> Both these guys, well, and all of you will understand we used to have like sometimes two and three tournaments a week. Now the AJJ's got like six tournaments going on a week for their membership. And back then it wasn't all computerized. It was, you send your applications in on paper. And so there would be like these red uh, applications and the blue applications and yellow ones. And I would have to take all those in and my staff would have to, to disseminate through them and then go through them and make sure everything was good. All the money was in. Checks would come in. Check, and somebody got rejected, they checks would go out. And I was in charge of that whole process, which was an absolute disaster. <laughs> and so I had to make, I had to figure out who was getting in those events. So I was like, okay, I'd go through this. And it might be a stack that high with 200. And I'd go through it. Some, some of the guys, it was very simple. They had finished in like a top 10, you know, kind of the week or two weeks before and they got in. Um, some of them were already exempt. They were like a top five player at another tournament. They got in. And then, and then there were, there, it always got down to about half the, half of them. Like there was some guys that would, or gals that would sign up, never put a resume together. And so they didn't get in because I didn't, they, they didn't show me what they had done. So. Hey, hey Mark, when, when were you, when were you in this role? Sorry. Uh, I just want to get a timeline. Yeah. Um, I got hired. In um, like November of 1994. Great. So I just want to just want to let you know that you. Oh, no. Oh, no. I just want to let you know that you you helped propel me to the next level. I didn't play junior golf at all. I was playing, and and these guys have already heard me boast on this all, enough. But I didn't really play junior golf. My dad try to push me into playing golf. We loved it. He was like, you should try to play golf. I'm like, okay, sure. He's like, you need to play in these AJGA events. I'm like, okay, sure. He's like, there's a one in Greensboro at the Cardinal. You should try to play in it. I tried to play. They said, you're not good enough. You need to go to the qualifier. I went to the qualifier. I got through. I finished in the top 10. 
And I, after that, I, I got all these colleges calling me yeah. and giving me, offer me, you know, money to play college golf. But <laughs> you were probably one of those people that said, you know what? Hey, he's not good enough, but he could probably qualify. Let's see if he can do it. Um, so I mean, you now I think, your application I, think, with crayon. I think my whole career stems back to you. And I don't, I didn't realize that you were the, you were the, you were the cause of everything that I've done. Well, I'm sorry, you denying me. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you first off, because you have no idea how many people like you I talk to each year. They're like, Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And the guys and gals, like at the PGA show, I'll go to them every year, like, you didn't let me into this tournament in New Jersey back in 1996. And I'm like, you got it. But I will tell you an interesting story. About 1995, 1996, I get a phone call. Um, no, I get uh, an email. This is brand email was brand new, right? I mean, I, I didn't I didn't know about email. Cell phones were big and and I get some email from a guy named Johan Immelman. Never heard of him. And I'm like, and he says, I understand you are you all, the AJJ is the official junior golf program in the United States and probably the best in the world. Um, I have a son named Trevor who's like 14 and he's one of the best junior golfers in South Africa. We would like an opportunity to play in some AJJ events. I take the, I take, I print it out, I take it up to my boss and I go, I've checked on this guy. I know some people in South Africa that live over here and they all say that he's the best player in South Africa, even at 14 years old. So we let him in to a tournament. So this is his first opportunity to talk to somebody about junior golf in America was with me. And so I called them. They sent me pictures of this of this uh, short game area they got in the backyard. They showed me pictures of Trevor hitting balls and everything. And um, we got him into a major, one of the very, the biggest events we had back down in Disney. The son of a gun goes out and beats Bubba Watson and Lucas Glover. And you name anybody and everybody at that stage, he beats their asses. And he wins the thing. It's a match play event. And he's like 15. And I'll never forget, after he won, he runs to his room at Disney and comes out in his South African Golf Association jacket. He went and got showered and got dressed for the award ceremony. And <laughs> I, we've never seen this before. That's awesome. All right. So that's my Trevor story. That that's is cool. That you know, I, I, you probably have so many of those stories though. With if, if you were if you were kind of in charge of. Uh, of guys getting into these AJJ, AJJ events. I mean, th this was the end all be all of all, you know, junior golf tours. I mean, it, it kind of still is. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the creme de la creme of all, mm -hmm. of, of all junior golf, uh, golf tours. So back then, especially, and I, you're, you're talking our language and especially for me in the mid nineties, Bubba, um, Lucas Glover, we all played together and well, we were the same age in college. I didn't do a whole lot of the junior golf, but, Again, as we were in college, all these names like Bill Haas, these names yeah. that kind of they were all I mean, they all dominated that 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 era. I mean, it's pretty, pretty incredible. I mean, you you kind of had your hand in all of that, like and you can see how these these careers have flourished because you let you let a kid into an event or denied a kid into an event, <laughs> um, which is which is which is great. It's pretty cool. I know. Uh and, you know, a lot of these guys that are playing on tour, I, I, I knew them. I knew them since they were like Tiger 
was about 16 when I showed up at the AJGA. And I remember he uh, he messed up his putter because he was mad. He hit it like either on a root or a tree or on his on his foot or something. He kind of tweaked it. And he went out and he had like four birdies on the back nine with a, his three iron the putting. And um, we were just like, what is going on right now? He won the with a three iron as he was putting it on the back nine. And we were all like, okay, this kid's the real deal. And we always remember Tiger, like, Tiger always used to talk to us about how he could always hear everything. You know, like when you're in that zone and, and you know, McLean, your dad obviously got into a lot of zones. And um, Jay, you've been in, in the zone before as well. But you – Not as many as McLean's dad. No, not as many as Tiger. But, uh, but Tiger was in this zone, you know, that he could hear everything. And we're over here like whispering. You know, we're like 30 yards away from him. We're whispering. You know, like, he'll never get that up and down. You know, never. You know, he's dead. He's downhill line, a bunker, and it's a short side of himself. He's got no chance. And he knocks it in. We're watching this. He knocks the shot in. We're like, this is impossible. He hits it barely into the fringe. It crawls and drops. And he goes by us. And he looks at us. And, and he said, so you didn't think I could make it? <laughs> and so after the round we're like you heard us yeah i hear everything he looks at me because i hear everything and he's like 16 years old and i'm like never mind <laughs> i don't know who you are so uh, you're an you're an alien you're an alien you're, di- you're different kid <laughs> that's incredible that's a fun uh, story um so how does how does the ajga turn into the the wyndham championship or the i guess greater yeah. greensboro then I um so one of my um so I went from administration for three years and then I went into kind of advancement and sponsorships, which is what I really wanted to do. So I was in charge. There's another guy named John Kaskowski, who now actually is the executive director of the Western Golf Association in yep. Chicago. So he and I are best friends and we were back then. And we were in charge of all the fundraising, all the development, all the advancement. And then when he took the job up there to go run like the Western Junior and the Western Am um, under Greg McLaughlin, who's now in the PJ Tour. Um, then I kind of took over the entire development uh, piece. So, and then John, after several years, I was in there for about another five years. John uh, texted me or emailed me or called me one day and said, the Greensboro job's open. And I called him back and he goes, yeah, I think it's kind of late, but they're looking for a tournament director for the first time ever. They never have really had a tournament director. They kind of had a sales guy. So I called uh, a guy named Duke Butler, uh, who I knew because his son played AJJ, but he was one of the big dogs of the tour. And there were a couple other guys that I knew there. And I just asked him, is it too late to get in? They're like, yeah, but hold on. So he called a couple of his friends at the PJ Tour, and, and they – they extended the deadline by a couple of days for me to put my resume in. And then they kind of, I think they got kind of behind me, but they also, as what we were just been talking about, all my relationships with these players like Justin Leonard and, I mean, you name them, Charlie Howell, all those top players that came up through the AJJ. I mean, I knew them. I knew them all. And, yeah. and so, you know, and so that, I think that's one of the reasons I kind of got the job is because I had this relationship and I knew, I knew golf. I'm not, I wouldn't say backwards and forwards, but I, I, knew, I knew enough about golf through my age of eight years. And then, um, um, and I knew, you know, at that point, this is one of the more interesting points I would say about this whole thing is John and I came into the 
PGA Tour as the new crop of tournament directors back in those in that um, I was hired right after September 11th, like a month out. So that was a tough time in our country's uh, history and a tough time to be selling anything. But John and I were both sales guys and more marketing and media driven guys. And all the other tournament directors out there, and a couple of them are still lingering, and they're great guys. I love them to death. And they've, they've adjusted, but they were more operations guys. They were all like director of operations. They knew where to put the boxes. They knew, you know, now nobody has those out. Nobody needs to mark the course because the tour does that. But, you know, the rope staking and all that stuff. So they, they, they were more that way. But now every tournament director is more like us where, where they're more sales oriented because sales is really the name of the game on the PGA Tour now. Well, that, that kind of that's that kind of leads into one of the questions I had for you. Um, one, John, when did John go to the Western Amateur first? Yeah, he was probably, I'm going to say, if I went in 2001, he was probably there in about 1999. Okay. Maybe and then he became the, he became the tournament director of the Western Open, which was back then like the uh, Advil and something else. And then, they, then he became, and then the BMW. And then the guy that was the executive director of the Western also State passed away. Don Johnson passed away. Let's call it five or six years ago. And now, and then John took that position. So this is funny. These all, this is coming full circle, circle here, but Curtis Strange, uh, obviously Tom Strange was a friend of ours. He was, he was on this pod, uh, on the podcast with us for a while there, but Curtis called John and helped get myself and a friend of, of Tom and I, we played golf together at JMU. He got us into the Western Am. Yeah. Um, and yeah. John was very gracious and let yeah. us into the Western Am. Yeah. To, well, John Scott was probably a better player than I was, but I really didn't have any credibility. But um, I remember meeting John when we went up there and played yeah. in the early 2000s and played in it. And so that's kind of funny how this is all kind of coming together. But yeah. um, a lot of the bigger the bigger moments, I remember playing, playing behind Hunter Mahan in the Western right. Amateur yeah. um, in Pointe Woods. And he was the number one amateur in the country at the time and i know he's fallen off a little bit but for a while i mean he was he was a in the early 2000s he was the best player in in amateur golf like it wasn't it was hands down it wasn't close um, as a junior it, golfer too yeah as a junior golfer as well you're right you're right um but i think you know it, it was it was really really cool really cool moment for me again i was i was like fast forward from a kid that was going to try to play football in college at a small small college wasn't probably equipped to even do that to playing college golf. And then within two years playing in uh, you know, the Western am and playing with all these guys. I'm like, these, these guys are like studs. And like, I, I there was definitely times where I was like, I, I don't know if I fit. Like, I don't know if I, if I I'm supposed to be here, but anyway, John, yeah, it was, it was pretty neat. But um, to follow that up, I, I think, Kind of what with with Mike what Mike was saying, I, the the role of a tournament director or a executive director of operations for a PGA Tour event has kind of changed over the years. So I, I'm curious, you know, what what exactly do, what is your day to day for the Wyndham Championship like, or, or what a rough overview? What do you do to kind of get this thing ready? Like, what's your role in, in making this happen? Because I don't think people really understand how how much goes into getting everything ready for a tournament, uh, a PGA tour event, especially, and like how many people go into it, but like, what, what are you, what are you doing 
on a you know twelve month you know schedule to get ready for the next championship or the next the next week well, or the next tournament? Sorry. It's a great question, and I'll be honest with you. You three have got a kick out of this. Most people look at me and go, "What else do you do? Like, <laughs> what other jobs do you have? Are you the trash guy? Uh, what do you do? Like, this can only be a two week a jo- year job. What else do you do? Uh, you know." In my position, so now I've, I've become more of the executive director and I'm the CEO of our foundation. And I had a, a I had an operations guy named Bobby Powell who was with me at the AJGA. He was kind of the VP of operations at the AJGA, top top shelf. And when I took the job in Greensboro at the, and it was the Chrysler Classic back then, we had a lot of volunteers kind of helping run the tournament. And I just realized, look, I need somebody like Bobby to come in and handle the entire operations, make it more professional, make it um, consistent so that it's not year to year something different. And so I hired Bobby. And so just recently last year, in my 20th year as being tournament director, I handed the tournament director job over to him. Um, mainly because I felt like 20 years was a pretty long time to be a tournament director. And I was, I've had my fun. And I wanted him to be, have that, that opportunity to be the the tournament director to be the, the guy out front and to handle all that stuff. But um, so now, but I'm still doing a lot of the same things I used to do. I always I told Bobby, I said, Bobby, you're still going to be over operations. You, you can still be over all the staff, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to run all the sales and the marketing and I'll have my team over here selling. So I've got, from my perspective, I've got two other guys that sell with me and I've got, um, a young lady who handles all of our marketing and social media. So they've worked with me. We all work together as one big crowd, but we've got nine staff members. Um, two of them are kind of hired guns that, that they get one of them's got their own media company. And so he's our head of media, but um, you know, stuff that I do, I, I still oversee like um, all, all uh, um, correspondence with our board of directors, which is an important deal because my board of directors has, it's one of the strongest boards on the PGA Tour. We've got like some real heavy hitters in the community that are um, around the region, not only from Greensboro, but from Winston and, and Burlington High Point. Um, so I still run those. And those, they also, the people that are sitting on my board represent some of my biggest companies that sponsor us. So that's, a, that's an important thing for me to have those touches. Um, we took, um, we took about four, uh, 30 guests, high, um, bigger sponsors down to the Dormy Club in Pinehurst recently. And we did some sleepovers, had some nice dinners and played some golf. So it's basically that we did that recently. Uh, but mainly my main job is, is sales. And um, I've handed the media and everything else kind of over to Bobby. But my main job is sales. And probably because of COVID and how much the country's kind of been shut down over the past few years. We had one of our bigger years ever as far as sales go. Um, sold out both programs. We sold out our hospitality kind of early. Um, so that that's a big deal. That that represents about uh, $12 million that I kind of oversee. I'm a, I mean, I personally do about eight. And my, my team, the other part of my team does four. And that's on top of Wyndham's, you know, title sponsorship, which is a pretty large amount of money. So, yeah, it's, it's mainly that. But... You know, the messaging of our tournament is really important. People think about that, but we, I think about that on a daily basis. You know, what 
what should we be doing to message ourselves in more of a positive light? And, and, and I have to, like, especially in this world right now that we're living in with, with live golf, you know, you, you have to think about all the, the different um, elements that are, um, that are part of the equation now. And as, because, you know, you don't want to, you, you got to think about it. I hate, I hate it. And I don't like thinking about live very much. And I, you know, I'm not for it in any way, shape or form, but I've got a bunch of friends on that, on that tour, you know, some good, good buddies of mine are, are playing on live tour right now. And I just got to be careful with, with kind of what we say and how we represent ourselves in this world right now. So there's a lot of things that we work on. Um, but I think it's important for people to know that we have a, a team of nine that, that run this tournament, um, you know, 12 months out of the year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, before we, before we kind of dive into the, and then Mike, I don't, I don't know what, what agenda you have here. And I know you've got a, Mike's got a schedule. I know. Um, so I don't want to, I don't, I, I, this is super interesting to me because I've, I've, I've kind of been involved with this and I've, this is a side of, this is a side of professional golf that I don't think gets enough credit. Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm really interested in it. So I'm, I'm pushing. And if I jump ahead, uh, uh McLean and Mike and, and asking too many questions, you You're can good. stop me. But, um, I, like kind of what you were just touching on, like I, what, what are the touch points? Like if you could break down being a tournament director or, or, or a director of operations for a PJ tour event, like, how does it break down? Like, do you have someone that handles marketing, someone that handles sponsorship, somebody that handles uh, the board of directors, like what, it, how does it all break down and who is in control of that? Are you running all of that? Yeah. Like I just said, let's just say, let's just say there's, there's fundraising and fundraising yep. obviously in any, any job in any business, it's really important. I mean, obviously you got to put gas in the cars. Um, so I'm in charge of fundraising. I've got two key guys that do that with me. And that is anything from selling a $5,000 partners club, which gives you two tickets to a really nice high-end deal that we sell to either small businesses or individuals, all the way up to selling a $400,000 sponsorship to a company called Sumbrella that you probably are familiar with over in Burlington, or to the hospital in Greensboro, Cone Health. And they've got a very large sponsorship. So, and, and so... We, I'm in charge of those bigger ones, most of them, but we've got anything from the 5,000 all the way to those bigger ones. And even, even Truist used to be BB&T and SunTrust, they merged. Mm-hmm. So Truist yep. is our presenting sponsor, sponsor. And I did that one, you know, that's probably 10 years ago I did that one. Now, Wyndham was important too. And Wyndham's been with us for a long time now. And they're, they're, through, they're through 2026 along with Truist. So that that side of the ledger is that I'm in charge of. Um, my tournament director, who used to be the operations director, Bobby's in charge of. He and another guy, they're in charge of the entire build, all the skyboxes, all the suites, all the stands. Um, you know, hiring the groups that do the stake and roping, hiring the groups that does the the um, porta johns and the and the executive bathrooms. Um, volunteers. Volunteers. The parking. I mean, you name it, and it has anything to do with logistics or or structures. That's Bobby. That, that's our either the tournament director or operations manager in that in that you know in that category. Then we have um, 
the marketing and, and ticket sales and all that I would fall under. Leslie does that. She's in charge of social media. And she works directly with me, and we, we handle all that together. Uh, we've got a guy who does handles the media center and all of our press releases that have to come through me, and, and I approve them. And, and then they know. go, and they run yeah. with them. So, um, yeah, like we do have a volunteer director, um, and then we, have a, we actually have a director of ticket sales now um, that works kind of with the tour and the ticket master on all of our, all of our tickets. Um, uh, I'm trying to think, and that we, we kind of have like a, 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 a have there's a, a, a woman named Dare who's kind of in charge of our first impressions. Like at every touch point when there's spectators coming through, we we want to make sure that we have the right people there, you know, welcoming them and asking if they have any questions and making sure we have all this, you know, they're just you know you kind of try to bring as much as you can of either Disney or the Masters to your own tournament. Right. So you, and we never we never get to that level, but we try we try our best. Sure. Um, and then again, like I've mentioned, the board of directors, Bobby Powell. Oh, and then I have a director of finance, like a CFO, and she's in charge of all of that. That's a huge deal. Yeah. Would you say if someone asked you who you work for, do you work for the PGA Tour or do you work for the Wyndham Championship? No, um, most of the PGA Tour events are. Um, are. Um, are in a three-party um, agreement with the title sponsor, the PGA Tour, and the what we call the local host organization. Our local host organization is what I'm the CEO of, okay. which is called the Piedmont Triad Charitable Foundation. And so that is the host organization doing business as the Women's Championship. So we host the event. If you ask me who owns it, um, I would say that the three of us own it, the PGA Tour, Wyndham, and, and, and so I wouldn't say there's really ownership. But at the end of the day, the PGA Tour probably has the most control over things, um, even though we've been doing this for about 84 years now. So, cool. Yeah, Where does Mr. McConnell fall in that uh, mix? Is, yeah, that, you know, that's, that's one of the things. Um, so he's the, he's the CEO of McConnell Golf. And Sedgefield Country Club is one of the courses that falls under the McConnell Golf. One thing I've, I've, I keep forgetting to mention is recruiting. Um, I'm still the head guy in recruiting. I still do all the recruiting. I go to um, four or five tournaments. But I'm probably going to slide that over to Bobby here pretty soon as he kind of keeps transitioning over to being the, you know, taking more of my responsibilities. So recruiting meaning trying to bring more, get more, more of the PGA Tour players involved or trying committed to, get, to this event. Trying to get the more impact players. And, you know, that there's a combination of things here. That A lot of that has to do with dealing with their agents, which, you know, I'm pretty good friends with most of them. Um, I'm really good friends with the cool guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, there's uh, – and then I know a lot of these guys, so I, I see them. But, you know, I've never one of these guys that goes to a tournament. Like, I went to the Memorial, and I never, never – I never look at any of these guys and go, hey, you coming to Wyndham this year? You know, if I do that, I have to know them really well. Like, I, I yeah. like Billy Morrison. I might go, Billy, you coming this year? And <laughs> he knows that if he says no, we're going to be good. It's not like, you know, but every once in a while, he'll say, yeah, I'm coming. You know, most of the yeah. time he comes. And so, yeah. um, but you know, I, I don't ever, I don't ever, I'm, they know why I'm there. If they want to tell me or if they want to find out some hotel information or something, I'll take care of them. 
So really, this whole recruiting thing is really, if anybody's taking it more seriously than being just like a glorified concierge person, then they're screwing up, in my opinion. Gotcha. That's cool. So, oh. Jay, did you want to ask your, your other question that we spoke about earlier, the sponsors exemptions, before we get into the other stuff? <laughs> in terms of what is the criteria to get to get a sponsor exemption? I mean, I, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, so, again, not on the PGA Tour, but for the what what is now the Corn Ferry Tour, when I was a, a web.com member, yep. Um, you know, I, I went through Q school, went to final stage and I was, uh, you know, I finished maybe 20 spots off of the top 45. I don't know exactly the number, uh, but my number was pretty good, uh, considering the years prior and the years after my number would have gotten, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 events, yeah. but for whatever reason, the way the scheduling worked, I got no starts at, well, uh, at, at finishing 65th or 70th. Uh, in in the in finals, and wow. I, I would every week I would send letters to tournament directors asking for you know a sponsor exemption and so forth. And and the same thing when I um I, I played in a PJ Tour event in 2014, the Mayakoba, early in the season, and so I I made the cut and had some FedEx Cup points, and I was sending letters nonstop left and right to tournament directors asking for an exemption. I just yeah. won the big break invitational on the golf channel. So I was, you know, again, I know that's not yeah. as big of a deal, but I was, Hey, I was going to push it um, and trying to, to gain any leverage that I could. Yeah. So I was always curious, like, what is the process behind the scenes? You know, I understand that uh, the sponsor exemptions they're giving them to the sponsor has, uh, has a say and who gets it, but there's also some spots that the PGA tour can delegate to certain players. So I wanted to get your, your side of it and you explain, cause this is what you do every day and, and you don't, no one wants to hear me speculate. We want to hear, yeah, um, yeah. hear no, the no, truth. I, so I would say, um, but I've done a pretty good job in making or make, making sure our sponsors don't feel like those are theirs. And because, because if they get into the business of giving spots out, this thing's going to get crazy. Yeah. Like, it's just going to get wild. And, yeah. and I told those, I told the CEOs that early on, I said, guys, if you guys have somebody you really want me to look at and you're just dying to get them in, I'll get them in, but yeah. they can't just be Joe Schmo that, that broke 83 times. They want to play now, right? You, yeah. you just can't, you've got, so I've always kind of had a little bit of a message of my madness and I've been pretty successful in, in my picks. Like, I don't know if you know this, but the kid who won this year, um, Thomas Kim, Tom Kim. Yeah. He was a sponsor since the month. So. Not bad. Nice Mark, work. Nice I, work, I, Mark. And I, I did that. Like right after he won the Scottish, and oh no, I'm sorry, he finished third in the Scottish, and I met him at the British Open, and I really didn't have to give him a spot. I mean, I you know he's he hadn't really done all that much. He did well in the Scottish, and he he had played some, but I had not really heard much about him. But then I got talking to him, and I saw exactly what you all saw this past week in the President's Cup. I was like, God, this, this guy. Guess. Is Good. the nicest person I've ever met, and he's full of life. And I meet him, and um, I heard I looked at him and I said, 
Well, Tom, I heard you. I heard you wanted to play at the Women's Championship in Greensboro, and I and I, you know, I wasn't. I didn't know what to expect. I certainly wasn't expecting a, an American accent coming at me. And he said, "Oh God, I would love to." <laughs> it's an American accent. I went, "Where are you from?" You know, and he's like, "From South Korea." And I'm like, "Well, where have you lived?" And he's like, oh, "I've lived all over South Korea. I lived in Philippines. I lived in." Thailand, I lived in Australia, I think I spent some time in Japan, but he lived all over. And, and so finally, I, I looked at him and I said, well, how about we just do this? And he goes, are you kidding me? And his eyes got big and he got all excited. And he basically, he gave me a hug right then and there. I just met him five minutes ago. So, I mean, I fell in love with this kid. I was like, God, this, this is it right here. And so, lo and behold, he goes on and wins my tournament after finishing with an eight on the first hole. He had a quadruple bogey on the first hole when we played in our tournament. And then he proceeded to make every putt known to man in that event. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, we were, I mean, I, we watched the whole event, obviously, but I mean, he made everything. I'm like, this guy, does he, he does not miss. I mean, what did he shoot? Tw- was it 28, 29 on the, yep. on the, was it the final round or the final or the third round? Final, final round. Final I mean, round. It's like, yeah. I was so like, we, this guy. we had him. We had him in. So Billy Horsell came in, and we did an interview with him. With y'all know John McGinnis? McGinnis. Yes. I mean, John McGinnis is an absolute legend. He's the funniest yep. guy in the golf. This guy's a killer. And so he 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 also interviewed Tom Kim, and he had Tom Kim had all four hundred people that were at my parents' party eating out of his hand. Like <laughs> everybody walked out saying, "I hope this guy wins." And I'm like, he might. Y'all better watch it. This kid might. He's just good. And by God, he did. And, I mean, he was just amazing. And, and then, and then we find out like after he wins, I, I, we were looking for a flight for him over to Memphis because he got into the the St. Jude event, FedEx St. Jude. And we couldn't find a flight out of Raleigh or Charlotte that was good. It was the next day, like at six or seven p.m. So I call Honda Jet, who's a friend, a friend of ours and a sponsor. I said, I said, uh, buddy, I know we've worn you out this week with Jet requests, but is there any chance we could get our, our defending champion, Tom Kim and his caddy and brother over to Memphis tomorrow at some point? Doesn't really matter when. And he goes, yeah, I think I can do that. So when I come back to Tom and his brother, I said, well, let's quit worrying about where you, how are you going to get there because I've got a Honda Jet that's going to take you. And Tom's eyeballs went so big in his mouth. He was like, like a four-year-old at Christmas. (laughs) And he loved it. And so we took care of him then. And I asked his brother, I said, Sam, you kind of have a little bit more of an international, like Australian accent. Where Where did Tom get this accent from? And he says, he didn't really answer the question, like, like the full sentence. He said, how I met your mom, how I met your mom and two and a half men. I went, <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> yeah, we used to watch that every day. And he picked up on it because he was only like five. I said, you are kidding me right now. That's so, awesome. I loved it. It cracked me up. That's awesome. <laughs> Great. That's cool. I love it. Uh, uh, that's a good story. Yeah, he he is. He won me over. I was bragging about him. Um, at the president's cup and yeah anytime he's in front of a microphone it's it's just a, a breath of fresh air and yeah. um 
yeah, he's he's won me over. I'm a big fan of him moving so, forward for sure. Mike, let me have one more minute, and I'll just I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna try to answer Jay's very good question. I don't know how it works on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, I, I just I mean I'm gonna say I just don't because I would imagine those tournaments, the tournament director, kind of have control over those. Now a title sponsor might have some control over two or three of them. I don't know. I'm not even sure how many they give out. Um, but I'm sure they're trying to give them to, you know, maybe former players who used to be on the tour that had maybe won, just some kind of name recognition, or probably people that are from around the area yeah. um, that are pretty good and might have played. Maybe there's a Mississippi tournament. They might have played in Ole Miss or Alabama or something. Yeah. For me, it's always been about kind of taking care of the, the older guys that were either past champions or who really had played us a long time and had done a lot of nice things for us over the years. And I might give them one um, or two. Our past champions like, uh, uh, um, you know, Vijegas and um, um, some other guys that, that have been past champions that, that we've given spots to. Um, and then, you know, I've gotten to know some of these guys real well. And I try to get them in maybe a little bit later as, as other people have gotten in. And some of the guys that I gave spots to, maybe they got in on their own number. But it usually is for us kind of past champions, maybe a past major winner that is had struggled the last two or three years, but has still named cachet. But then I gave, like I gave, I'm big, big, big believer in the next generation. So I'm always, like that one year I gave um, Morikawa, and um, um, who was it with him? Um, Wolf. And then um, the kid from Raleigh, uh, Doc uh, Redman. Mm-hmm. And then the kid from, was it Norway or um, Hovland? Hovland. Hovland. So I gave all of those guys sponsorships that year. Of course, that worked out well because a couple of them won before me. That's good. good move. That was, <laughs> you know, will they come back? I don't know. You know, they were they remember me, they know me, but will they come back? And that's what I'm always looking for. I gave one to Ben Griffin this year from Carolina, kind of a flyer, and he finished fourth by himself. Which yeah. would have been the story on sponsor exemptions had Tom not won the damn thing. Um well, so it's always for me, it's always about the young stars. Well, that's I mean, that that's kind of what I, what I was getting at. It's just trying to understand the process. I mean, not to say that there's a bunch of people listening to this pod that are trying to you know, get, you know, submit applications to get a sponsor exemption, but it, it is kind of cool to hear the process, you know, because it's kind of a mystery, you know, to a lot of people like, oh, he got a sponsor exemption. How did he get that sponsor exemption? Who did he go through? What's the criteria to get that sponsor exemption? And I know that each of each event is different. Like you said, some some sponsors are more involved yeah. with that process than others, and and some rely on the PJ Tour. Uh, some rely on uh, the tournament director or the CEO of the event. Uh, so it's, it, I guess it sounds like it's all contingent on the event itself and, and, and how it all works. And it it's just, it's kind of a sliding scale, but I will say that um, I do remember sending, you know, multiple requests all the time. And, and uh, you, when you get a response from a tournament director, you've, even if they don't let you in, yeah. you're like, Oh, I was like, Oh, wow. I'll re- you remember that guy. Yeah. Uh, just for the simple fact that they responded to you, because they get you guys get so many of these. Uh, oh, we probably get I mean, 80, 80 to hundred a year. Yeah, and 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 you have to you have to go through this and and and, and vet all of these these uh, requests, and just to get a response from a tournament director saying, "Hey, thank you so much for 
for sending this in. Um, you didn't get in. You're not going to get in this year. But you know, uh, you know, we we we're excited that you or you want to play in this event. And yeah. please, please apply next year. Try to get in next year. Yeah. You know, I don't know. And there was there was you know one. And this is again for the web, uh, which is now the Corn Ferry, but. You know, at least they they personalized the note. It didn't sound like they had their the, uh, secretary send it to me. It was really tailored to me, and it was like, "Hey, I see that you played well in these events." And cool. I was like, yeah. oh, "You know what?" I was like, yeah. "Hey, you know," I was like, "I gave him the best shot." He did look yeah. at my resume, and he gave me a heartfelt response. Uh, and and that to me, it was like, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to try to play in that event again." You know, I'll I'll give that the event another shot just because yeah. I feel like they're taking care of the guys who are trying to work their way up the, uh, yeah. you know, up the ranks, you know, and, and yeah. you just never know. I mean, you, as you, just like, as you said, you, you, you gave these spots to Victor, Victor Hovland, Matt Wolf, uh, uh, more Cowell. obviously they earned their keep there in, in the college ranks, but there could be some other kids that maybe just get out of college that weren't as highly ranked or weren't all Americans, but are on the cusp of being, you sure. know, a top tier player. Oh, listen, listen. And you just never know. As many as I've gotten and been right on, I've been wrong on more, trust me. Um, like the guys I didn't give sponsors interest to, you know what sure. I mean? And you just don't know. Um, but I do, one other item I do like a lot, and I've always told people, I, I'll say two things to you, Jake. I've always, I've always liked when the guys are out there trying to qualify, kind of like you did in AOA. If somebody's out there trying to qualify, and there's been a couple times where um, some guys have got qualified like five times in a year for PJ tournaments. Well, I'll give that guy a sponsor. I'm like, you don't have to qualify. I'm impressed yeah. you're, that you're able to, to pony up on Monday and play and tee it in the ground and shoot a 63 or whatever you have to shoot to get in these things. So I'll give that guy a I've done that on probably five or six occasions. The other thing I would have said to Jay, Jay if you and I would have been buddies uh, back when you were doing this and I'd have known what I know now, and you think about this, I would have said, Jay, call that tournament director and tell him that you'll come in for two days into his city before the tournament, two to three weeks before the tournament, and you'll play golf both days with whatever sponsors he wants you to play. Oh, I, you know, I, I would have done, done that. I would have done that in a second. I mean, any guy, yeah, any guy would have been like, I'll come in two weeks before. I will play golf with all of your sponsors. I will play with all the members. I will do whatever you want. They just yep. want, they just want a shot like the most of these guys they work so hard and they just want a chance like i just want one shot and maybe it doesn't happen maybe they don't play well but they just want one chance and they're willing to do whatever you need to kind of uh, bolster that event and make it better um and to have a, a guy come in and play or, or even give like a I'll, I'll go to the range with some of your title sponsors and I'll, we'll do a lesson let's go out and let's do a, a short game lesson for an hour you know hey to all 24 of your listeners, McLean, that I'm not doing that at the Wyndham Championship. <laughs> 24 people are saying, I'll come do this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just getting my uh, resume together as we yeah, speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but but again, for those guys, those fringe guys that are, that are on the on the cusp, it is that 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 does make a difference, you know, knowing that like, hey, whatever whatever it takes, I'll do whatever. And that, that, I think that's, that's the difference for some of these guys applying and you're looking and you're, you're, you're looking at resumes. Like you're trying to hire somebody like what, what's the differentiator? Like, how are you going to separate yourself from the next guy? Like, obviously 
you know, uh, Camilla Vajegas, he's a past champion. Like I'm, I'm, he's had some, obviously some family issues with losing a child. Like I want to give this guy a shot. I'll give him a chance to come back and play. You know, that's his, you know, that's, that's his resume builder, but for a young kid out of college, you know, how can you be creative? Um, and maybe not every tournament director is going to say, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the difference. But, you know, it's nice to know that like, whatever it takes, you know, I'll do whatever you want because these guys just want to, they just want a shot. I think it's sometimes sometimes it's kind of like some personal creativity, you know, some, sure. Yeah. I think that really might have something to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. Is it that time? It's that time, Mike. It's that time. So I'm going to leave this pretty open-ended. Sure. I, I don't even necessarily even need your direct take on, on live golf. I want it more from the Wyndham Championships perspective. What's As you see the world of professional golf right now, how do you see all of this positively and negatively affecting the Wyndham Championship? Well, let's just talk about you know, what happened um, almost two months ago, really, at the Wyndham. I mean, we probably lost eight players to that deal. And, you know, I don't think any of them are game changers, but it's nice to have Paul Casey and Sergio Garcia and and some of these guys at your tournament. Um, You know, Harold actually did play our tournament. I had some long, long discussion with Harold about this whole decision. And I, you know, as much as I love the PGA Tour, I, I just told him, I said, I'm not sure you'll ever have this opportunity to make, you know, this kind of money, you know, if, if that's, but you just got to, you got to figure out what's important to you because we're all super impressed that you've done this for seven years. You've kept your card out here for seven years. I mean, I mean that's so good. So strong. I mean, you know, not everybody understands that. That isn't, that's hard to do. Very difficult. Especially when you're not. So hard especially when you're not one of the top 30 players in the, on FedEx Cup, you know, regularly, right? And, you know, but I kind of had a feeling that it would get to that with Harold. And, and you know, the, the, the week, two, about two weeks after he, he, um, he decided to do that, I mean, I was at his, at his charity event in Charlotte just, you know, last weekend. I'm not going to – he's still my buddy. You know, he's still my friend. I'm not going to treat him any differently. I don't think of him any differently. Um, I don't love what's going on with this. Um, I have a real problem um, with what Saudi Arabia is trying to do with sports. You know, I know that we're all complicit with Saudi Arabia and, you know, filling up our gas tanks. But, I, I, you know, they, they're, trying to, they're trying to improve their image. And that image is of, of, you know, killing a, an American journalist and killing 84 men because they were gay. And, and, and there were just another nine, uh, 65 people that died for no apparent reason. And, and it's just like, they're trying to take the PGA tour and the, or they're trying to take golf, professional golf and own it to, to make their image better. So more people will do business with them. I mean, that's the end of the day. They're called, it's called sports washing. And I'm not wild about that. I don't love it. But let's just set that aside. The what's going on with the with Liv, I don't think that Greg Norman is a is a I mean it might be great for him. I think this is great for his ego and everything, but I I don't think in the long run he's gonna be the right person to be to be um you know uh, 
there in the ship. Um, I don't think that I think that live golf, if they want to be more normalized, they're going to have to make some adjustments. Um, the biggest problem I have with live is a lot of those players now are kind of saying we ought to have we ought to discuss and all come together. But those are the guys that that they made the decision. They knew what the tour, they knew what the consequences were going to be. And they also knew what the consequences could be from some of the majors and the world golf rankings and all that. But they knew that they were going to be kicked out of the PGA Tour because Jay made it very clear. Our commissioner made it very clear. And so if they, if we merge with Liv in some particular way, well, this group over here that lives with Liv is going to keep all this front money. And all the guys over here, they didn't get it. So, you know, I don't see that happening. I don't see the PJ Tour bending to live in any way, shape, or form. I don't know how long live will last. You know, you got to look at how long did the ABA last? How long did USFL last? Um, you know, maybe this thing will last a long, long time. Somebody, um, somebody will concede at some point. Well, it's not going to be – I don't think it will be the Tour. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think we've, we've kind of, we've kind of touched on that too. I think our whole thing with this is that um, I, we all, we all agree that we think change is, was, was, was due and, and, and it's, it's the wheels have been put in motion. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I do think uh, I'm, I'm not going to speak for Mike or McLean, but I think that. Yeah, definitely don't speak on my behalf on this topic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, um, I do think that we all agree that the change was, was due and and to try to better the, the tour. I mean, there's, you don't have half of your tour complain about the, the, the parameters of the, the way things are run and the, the accommodations and the way that they're, um, taken care of. With without there being something there, you know, I, I don't want to be naive and say that. Let me address that. Yeah, yeah, go for There's it. There's no way it. in the world that half of our players were complaining about it. I mean, these guys are making a damn good living. Yeah. Now, now, are they complaining now that these guys over here are getting that? Maybe. And yeah. are they complaining because? LeBron James and Steph Curry and and all these guys are making forty and fifty million a year, guaranteed. Okay, sure. There's only one guy that you can even, in my opinion, that you could ever put into that category of deserving of that kind of money. We all know who that he is. He ain't playing a lot of golf right now. <laughs> but we all know if that. you think about it, some of these guys like DJ and Rory, if you put it all together. You put their endorsement deals. You got to remember, these guys are deciding to play about 20 times a year. Mm-hmm. They could play 30 times a year and make another another $5 million. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, they'll probably end up making 20 to $30 million a year with the endorsement deals and the, and the earnings and the only and the, the top, only the top, only the top 10, 15 guys would make that. Well, but and the appearance fees because there's appearance fees that are all over you, not all over um, the world, and then endorsement deals in America. 
but not um, in the U.S., right? You guys can't the, – the PJ Tour well, can't give any appearances. You can say what you want, but <laughs> when, when Tiger was with Buick, he played in three of the four tournaments every year. So you can call it an appearance fee or a sponsorship deal, whatever yeah. you wanted to call yeah. it. <laughs> well, we've never really done it. We've never done it to the degree that others are doing it. I, I don't have a problem with it at all. Because yeah. I've always been like, look, if, you, if you're titled, and it's, but it's not the tournaments. It's the title sponsors that are doing sure. endorsement deals with players. And it, well, like, Brent, totally- like Brent Snedeker is, was, a, was a sponsor of Wyndham. And, and, and was, he's like, I'm, I'm going to play in that event because they're paying me to play in that event. He would do that just out of loyalty to Wyndham. Sure, sure. Well, RBC's, RBC's done it with a bunch of guys. Yeah. Travelers. Yeah. And, and again, I think, it's, I think it's a perfectly good idea. I don't have any problem at all. You're not, and if we don't do it except for Brant, and that one really wasn't done that way. But the way they're doing it, I'm perfectly fine with. I, and I think it's the way of the world going forward to get more money into the players' pockets now. Sure. I would just say this, uh, Jay, that that I've been in all the meetings. I was the chairman of the tournament advisory council, so I've been in the player meetings. I've been in the tournament meetings the past, um, you know, seven eight years. I was not in them. Um, last year, but I've been hearing about all this stuff. So the PJ Tour had a very aggressive growth plan that we started 10 years ago. And about four years ago, five years ago, before any, I knew anything about all this with Liv or the Premier Golf League, they were talking about how we will, everybody was going to take about a million to $2 million bump on their purses. So, and that had more to do with, because we, we got a lot more money coming from Television, the new television deal. So I still don't think, look, I love those guys on the BJ Tour, all of our guys, but they complain a lot. There's a lot of complaints. And, you know, the only guy that didn't complain about Rogers, quite, I mean, there's several of them, but Tiger never complained about anything. Now, I know why he never complained about anything, because he just, he would go, he'd work out, he'd practice, and he'd, he'd practice longer than everybody, and he was better than everybody. And, and sure. he never complained about anything. Now, Mickelson and some of the uh, Pat Perez, all these guys are friends, but they, they're loud. They, they complain about things. And so um, I think that it was a point where it kind of got to a point where a lot of these guys and agents, especially the agents, this thing was heavily driven by agents. Yeah. And they got paid too. A lot of them got paid. Yeah. Big- that's a, but, that's a good that's a good point. You know, yeah, a lot of a lot really of the guys maybe were on the fence, and their agents are like, "Hey, you need to do this because you're going to make a hundred million, and I'm going to get you know ten to twenty million of that." Well, I mean, that's this whole thing is about twenty to thirty players. Yeah, I mean that's what the PJ tour. You know, is if you can take care of those guys, then the, the folks, the, the guys underneath them, will be taken care of in their own way, but. You got to make sure that we create these um, these goals, these financial goals. That if these top players can hit them, then then they're getting paid and they're going to be getting taken a lot more money away. You look at the money that was put together for the FedEx Cup. I mean, they just went from it was like it went from like I don't know ten million dollars to a fifteen million dollar uh, winner, and then if you won that, they only, you end up winning eighteen million dollars just in that tournament. It's like the insane. Insane. Yeah. So I I don't I'm not I don't think to be honest with you that anything was really broken. And I think at the end of the day, 
Um, there's always been guys out there that have complained about things. And there, and I've sat through those board meetings and I've sat through those player meetings. And whenever something would be brought up, the tour would address them. And they, I mean, they literally would address them. And they'd get an answer for them. And um, now, yeah, there might be some more. Um, there's probably some more urgency because at the end of the day, they're trying to survive here. And sure. And none of this would have happened. None of this could have ever happened. The only scenario this would have happened under is if a a government regime, which has all the money in the world because of oil, um, decided they wanted to do this. This is like yeah. the only entity that could have ever pulled this off. Yeah. How do you? We can't compete with that. With their because at, at some point the money runs out of the PJ Tour. We, we, you know, there's only so much money title sponsors are going to give. There's only so much money that all these sponsors are going to put in. Yeah. How do you, how do you think, you know, Monaghan has done, reacted to this, the tours reacted? What do you make of the changes announced, you know, from this, you know, players only meeting that Tiger and Rory held for, you know, not only for this year, but also for, for the 24 season, you know, in, in the FedEx Cup playoffs being dropped to 70 you know how do you see all this going about is it well the, the fedex cup dropping to 70 70 is a big deal for us i was gonna that, that's, that's, the year, that's the that's the week after my tournament so all of a sudden my tournament basically comes double the important because instead of 125 making it now it's only 70 so my tournament just took a, a major step you know up yeah. um so I'm going to just tell you, Jay and I are very, very good friends. So we've been good friends for 20 years. So I'm going to have a hard time saying negative things about him, but I want to make that clear. <laughs> sure. However, there. <laughs> I, think he was, I think he was defensive the first time he got on TV, maybe at the Memorial or the Travelers. And then uh, he did a better job the next time. So I thought he got defensive about it, which I've seen him do time to time. And he knows it. Jay is the kindest, most thoughtful, smartest guy you'll ever meet in your life. Um, but, but, he's, but he's prideful and he's competitive. He's, he's, he's competitive as hell. <laughs> I can, and I, I can can't tell. tell you how happy it makes me that he's our leader. Because, yeah. because as much criticism he's gotten on social media, you know, believe me, he, he doesn't care about that. Um, yeah. He's got a very strong board of directors and policy board. And and who is right there with him with every decision. So I think he's doing a great job. I know that sometimes his interviews haven't come out the way that we all wanted him to, but he's a proud man and he's a, he's competitive as hell. So um, I, I I would still tell you that if we're sitting here at a card game, the PJ Tour still got the best hand by far. Yeah, I I I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, hundred percent. It's still the best. It's still the best product. It's got the most history, uh, and the and the that still uh, overall, it still has the top the top players. If oh. you if through the depth of field by far yeah. over any other tour. Yeah. Um, yeah if you have I, everyone you know, playing, it's without yeah, question the PJ yeah. Tour. Camp Smith's unbelievable talent, but he, for him to go out there and say. Oh, it's going to give me an opportunity to spend more weeks than in Australia. Are you kidding me? 
Are you kidding me? They finished the FedEx Cup in September. He could yeah. take September to December in Australia. And by the way, it's pretty nice down there at that time of year. Yeah. <laughs> All these decisions. Look, just say why you went. You went for the money. You don't have yeah. to. Just like Harold Varner. I went yeah. for the money. No other reason. They don't have any other reason. It's not to grow the game. Yeah. It's because of the money. And Harold was pretty clear with that too. He was pretty open about just like, hey, this is why I sat with my wife and we said, we're going because this is a better opportunity for us financially and we're going to do it. And here we are. And I respect what he did. I think he exactly what you said. He owned up to it and he was the first one to say, this is exactly why I'm doing it and didn't sugarcoat it. Didn't put anything else uh, on top of it to try and make it something more than what it really is. Yeah. There was no more of the the stupid live talking points that these guys are being fed to say. how, how do you how do you think some of these other tournaments, you know, all these tournament directors, how, how do they like this new elevated status that some of these events are getting? And do they feel like it's going to hurt their event? I know some of these guys are now supposedly going to play three of the non elevated events. And I know there's you probably know more than I do. There's there's reports of them elevates a couple of the elevated events, maybe. Um, switching up year to year and rotating around. How does a, a lesser event on tour, I'm not going to name a name, but. Um, we would be considered one of those. My nephew and I heard about them. I mean, I, you know, if we're not going to be an elevated event, but nobody really knows who they're going to be yet, except for the the Palmer and the, and, and the Bay Hill and the Memorial and then Tigers and then in LA. So yeah. those are the only three that have been identified as elevated outside of the, outside of the, um, the first tournament of the year in Hawaii, which is not going to be 20, it's going to be 15. And then the players' championship is going to be 25. And then um, I think there's a world golf championship still around, uh, maybe in Austin. But, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not sure how long that's going to be around. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, is Dale going to want to, do they want to bump their purse up to that number? I mean, that, that's the other question you have. You can't just all of a sudden go, these guys, these guys, these guys are going to be able to be elevated. Well, who's paying for that first? Do the, do the sponsors want to pay for that? Yeah. And I and, and and that's one of the things that we all are trying to figure out is what does that financial breakdown look like? You know, is the tour going to continue to help out in some way? Or is it just on the title sponsor and the host organization? So we're still waiting to hear from that. Yeah, it, it's it's Great interesting. Point. I. I you know, it's almost, you know, we've given kind of live some shit for kind of winging it on the fly. And it kind of seems like these these new changes are almost being a little bit done on the fly with the PGA Tour. I was I was shocked when I heard the details come out of the, the Tiger Rory of, you know, meeting. And then a week later, Jay's pretty much enacting them almost right away, which I thought would be a year or two before they would actually kind of take shape. Well, and I would uh, your last statement right there. Uh, it, that that part that could still be true. I mean, yeah. it could be next year could be kind of a a um, um, kind of like a little bit of a middle year, like a, a little um, kind maybe of a bridge the way there. You know, just a, just kind of a first step, and then they go to the full step. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. I, I I don't know. I mean, that's a guess of mine, but I would I would think the same way. Yeah. You know, some of these some of these persons might go from ten to fifteen, and then. The next year or the third year, go to twenty. Um, but at the end of the day, 
I love that Tiger and Rory and those guys got in there because they basically represented the player impact players, right? And at the end of the day, even though Ricky Fowler hasn't played his best golf in the last couple of years, he's still a guy. Influential. He he moves the needle. Yeah. And and that's all that thing is, is these are the guys that move the needle. They're the ones that that um those are the guys you really want at your tournament. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I would I would say that every every uh, tournament director would want Ricky Fowler to play in their event, regardless of how he's playing. Totally, agree. Yep. yeah. And there's some others, you know. I mean, Adam Scott yeah. has played, you know, great. He, he came, he was in our playoff a couple of years ago, um, and he's such a nice guy. And he loves our golf course, and he and he comes and plays, and that's a big deal. Honestly, I I would think. I think Adam Scott is becoming more popular the older he gets because the group of uh, the the group of followers or the viewers on the PGA Tour is an older group, uh, and I, and you may know the stats more than I do, but from from what we've heard, the the predominantly the people who watch the PGA Tour events are an older group, and I say older meaning fifty and above. And most of these, these, the group of these people know who Adam Scott is because he's been around for 25 years and they love watching him swing uh, because he's got such a, you know, pretty swing. So it's like, okay, well, Adam Scott's playing. I'll, I'll watch this week. You know, yeah. I, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but they, they may want to watch something that's familiar and something that they know uh, with a staple of someone that's been on tour for 25 years. Uh, than a new player that they don't know anything about. So let me show you. Let me show you why he's so popular. You ready? This is my girlfriend with a with a picture with him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. These forty and fifty year old women love this guy. They love him. He's a <laughs> he's a good looking guy, and he's a good golfer. So what what can you say? He's a great golfer. They're like, uh, when does he uh, tee off again? And I'm like, <laughs> kidding me. <laughs> well, that, that's exactly right. Exactly what Mark just said. Even beyond that, you know, it, Jay, where you're going from a viewership perspective, but I yeah. think also when guys show up at a golf tournament and they're looking, hey, I want to go see this guy, this guy, and this guy, Adam Scott's on a lot of those lists. You know, yeah, I want to watch I him mean, hit a few shots. If he's on the range, I may want to go watch him feather some wedges. Um, you know, he, he's one of those guys that's still on that list of guys that I want to go check out. I want to see him play a couple holes, whatever it may be. Well, and not to mention, you know, the guy's got as beautiful a swing as there ever has been in the world. Yeah, I mean, this thing is close to perfect. I mean, it is unbelievable. And he's so much fun to watch on the range. Just like, are you just, serious right now with this, this swing? I mean, I got criticized on this pod maybe a month ago for talking about how beautiful Adam Scott's swing was and how people love watching it. Well, but no, it was I'm the way you, you – there was a way you phrased it. You phrased it that, yeah. like, no one – Nobody wants to watch Tiger Woods. They want to watch Adam Scott or something no, along no. those lines. No, it no, was, no. Yeah, no, it, was a, it was a Tiger comparison. That's exactly I said, right. I said we haven't seen a, a, a swing outside of Tiger uh, other than Adam Scott that people really just want to watch a player swing. I, and yeah. I, I think that's still You've, true. You've cl- like, you clean that up a little bit. Well, yeah, we can go back. <laughs> we can go back and we can go back and listen to the past pod. But <laughs> I mean, outside of Tiger. Tiger, like if you go back and look at like, I mean, Adam Scott in the early 2000s, he was younger than Tiger, but he came on the scene, another Butch Harmon prospect or pupil. And he, they always made these comparisons because their swings were so similar and they still are. And I would say that like 
when people go to the tournament, they want to watch. Obviously, Tiger's going to be the, the household name. But if they can't see Tiger, Tiger's not playing, and Adam Scott's playing, people are like, well, I need to go watch this guy swing in person. Like, I need to yeah, go He's watch. on the list. Absolutely. He's on the list. I mean, uh, I'm, I would put him at almost at the top of the list yeah. uh, of golf swings that I want to go watch in person. Then the second the second highest would be Sergio Garcia. So I would want to see yeah. Sergio swing in person, Love which Sergio. I have played with him. I think he's a, I think he swings it beautifully. I don't care about his personality, Mikey. You may not like him, but I think, I mean, he's one of the best ball strikers of all time, but I'm just saying. Well, I'm, Louis I'm, up I'm there too. Here. Louis up there too. If, Louis, Adam Louis. Sergio, if Adam and Sergio would have been great putters, I mean, both, oh. of them, both of them at one time were, but if they would have continued as great putters, they would have won. I mean, 10, multiple majors. They would have won 10 more tournaments, several majors each. Oh, easy. I mean, yeah. just incredible, incredible ball strikers. Oh, great, sure. great golf swings. Yeah. I think, I think Sergio falls into that uh, category of complainers on the PGA Tour. <laughs> <laughs> that's just his, that's just his, his fiery background, you know, whiners, petulant you, child you, category. You have a fiery background. I mean, you and Sergio I, are very similar. I do. I have a fiery background. I'm just not a douchebag like him. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you now you've been on the pod for about an hour and a half. Now you're getting you're gonna get the real the real <laughs> sense of what we do. Let the drink. I need another drink over here. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, gents. You got it. We got anything else for Mark? I know we could do this all night. All of us yeah. are just uh just golf geeks, and we could be doing this all night. But let's. Uh, Mark's got a shoulder to rest up. He's on Percocets. Who knows what else he's on over there? But <laughs> I should have. I, I try to. I cleaned all that up uh, today, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> Good. Good work. Good work. My, my friends at Oxy, uh, they, they took care of me for two days. But I've, <laughs> I've seen that move. I'm not going that's, there. That's enough. That's <laughs> enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Mark, we can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, it was a pleasure to kind of get your insight. You bring a different perspective that we haven't had on here. Yeah, uh, an expert perspective. Yeah, an expert perspective. <laughs> where we're Look, just... Thank you so much. I hope we can do it again. And, and it's... Uh, it's great to, to, you know, for me, who a guy who loves the Carolinas as much as I do, and now that my son is the starting point guard up in Kansas City, I love Virginia too. I'm up there so much. But for me to be uh, hanging out with Bob Boyd's kid is pretty cool for me. Because <laughs> that's he's royalty in this world of golf in North Carolina. So well, Absolutely. I, I, I definitely appreciate you saying that, Mark. It means a lot. Yeah. Here, so, here. Uh, Thanks, Pleasure's guys. all ours. Mark, thank you, thank you very much. And uh, thanks, Mike. Appreciate Take care. it.